In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Another edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ben Helsink and the Blonde Bombshell, a.k.a. Anne Kerrigan. Well, good evening. Wow. So what, That's the shortest up? introduction I think I've heard in years. Really? <laughs> yeah, I've turned over a new leaf. Um, oh, yeah? I, I dug up a new body, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> Man, a few words suddenly, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm trying to get a hold of my guest here, but uh, looks like the number's no good, so let me see what's going oh, on. Oh, no, that's not good. Yeah, so what's happening with you? I see you got some new face painting gigs. Oh, yes. Money, 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 money. <laughs> I need some. Yeah. Finally getting a little uh, few calls. Painted a bunch of adorable little uh, five-year-olds and under this morning, which was interesting. But yeah, what? 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 You did what? Painted five-year-olds? Yeah, five-year-old and under. It was a preschool. A preschool. Do they actually sit still? Some of them. <laughs> I don't know. There's about fifty of them. Most of them held held still. The ones, the ones that don't hold still, I just I tie to the chair. You tape, Not duct tape them, right? Duct tape. <laughs> 101 uses, right? No. Yeah. No, no. They were good for the most part. <laughs> so anyways, so. What's, what's, uh, what's happening? Anything else new, exciting? Is I tracking down my guest here? <laughs> new and exciting. Let's see. Oh, May 19th. Coming up really quick. And what is that? Oh, we're going to be down at the Collinwood down in Oneida. You said it was Oneida. Last Oneida. It's Oneida? No, he yeah. said Oneida. What the hell does he know? Oh, he lives there. Well, anyway, not... we're going to be down at the Collinwood, and uh, that's the uh, the Barnabas Collins themed Dark Shadows B&B down in New York, and we're going to be, Ron's going to be signing his book, Ghost Today. Oh, yeah? Right? And Ghost Chronicles. I, I sure hope so. And Ghost Chronicles. Yes, I forgot you're multifaceted. And uh, I'm going to be hanging around and uh, getting ready for the ghost hunt. All that good really? stuff. Really? Well, you'll be there, right? You'll be yeah, talking. I'll be there me. looking over your shoulder while you sign all those books. 
Actually, you'll be signing them. You'll be ghostwriting them. I'll be ghostwriting. <laughs> well, I'll be there. I'll be there. There you go. Well, I know he's online, so we're getting close. Oh, good. That's the good news. We'd like to have a guest this evening because no one wants to yeah. hear us chit chat all night. Of course they do. <laughs> I know Vala likes to hear me. Oh, and you like to hear Vala. Yes, we have a you thing. Hear Vala tonight? A West Coast thing. Mm-hmm. 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 So, anyways, I believe that we may have him. I'm not sure, but I'm just getting a message to my brain here. I. Uh, Picking it up psychically, I think Vlad has decided to join us from the other side. Vlad, are you there? Yes, I am. Greetings. How are you? Yay! (laughs) It's really weird because the number we were calling was dead. Yeah, it was because it, it was the wrong number, but that's okay. <laughs> what, 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 are you, what are you trying to say, Vlad? <laughs> I, think, I think you were channeling Harry Houdini's phone number, and you just sort of transposed the number. <laughs> it's all Ron's fault. It's always Ron's fault. Yeah, nice try. <laughs> and, and if not, you'll swear to it anyway, right? Yes, I will. <laughs> as, every, as every woman does, trust me. Ooh. It's much easier sometimes just to smile and nod because it shortens the whole pain and suffering part of it. That's right. You know, I there's I a smart man, I just, Ron. I just just don't understand why God just didn't quit while he was ahead. He had to take our freaking rib and make a woman. Mm. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. If you read some of the things, we were all shaped from a lump of clay, so it's sort of you know it's all there you know. back to that. You know? Well, I mean, is. I can see women being shaped as lumps of clay because they're pretty much that shape anyway. But. <sighs> You're going to be a lump of clay when I finish beating you. <laughs> most, of the men, most of the men I know sort of have that little bit of an overlap of the lump, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, only... Uh, never mind. All right, this is going yeah. down the wrong path, so let's come right back into Reel Everything In, and here we are. We are speaking today with Vlad himself. Vlad, Vlad is a vampire-esque gothic. Are you a vampire-esque? Yeah, I would I would say categorize it that that was always the persona that I wanted to uh shoot for was the Victorian gaslit street, you know, Bram Stoker without all the misgivings that Stoker threw into the story, you know, cuz he had a lot of uh Christian baggage that he threw into the story. That's very <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Well, he had a lot of things. I mean, that's where half of the the problems with, you know, all of the weaknesses for the vampire come in is that you couldn't you couldn't see your reflection in the mirror because that was a metaphor for a vampire had no soul. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh you couldn't cross running water because of course running water is pure and you couldn't touch garlic because garlic was thought to purify the blood. Exactly. And, you know, and all of these things sort of had these metaphors from Christianity in the same way with the stake. I mean, it's a wooden stake, which was a metaphor for the cross. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Almost almost every other culture, to do away with a vampire, you had to use an iron bar or something to pin the vampire to the ground, and then you would have to behead the vampire and rip his heart out. and oh. burn the, you know, It was a sort of a long process, you know, and Stoker decided, oh, no, stake is fine. <laughs> We gotta shorten this up. 
Yeah, we have to shorten it up because obviously the cross would destroy everything. (laughs) You know what? It's actually a cool thing because, you know, I mean, all these years since I was a kid, I've been watching the vampire movies and they always had to do the stake and the cross thing. But then when I saw Van Helsink who was named after me, um, <laughs> the movie, uh, they, he used a, uh, a crossbow, and I thought a Gatling crossbow on top of it, which I thought was like the coolest thing in the world, because here we have remote staking, which is pretty awesome. Excuse me. And if you, and if you watch, watch some of the, the new things, like Underworld, you have these, you know, photosynthesis, you know, liquid sunlight bullets that destroy you. Oh, Wow. So I don't know where we're going with you know the technology and things you know so that's that's the same stuff Ann uses on a hair yeah <laughs> liquid sunlight nothing, you know there's nothing wrong with good hair quality products there you, there I wouldn't know mine are long gone yeah Ron doesn't have any he forgot about that so yeah he doesn't know he doesn't know that stuff. So anyways, uh, I forget what the hell we were talking about, but I'm sure <laughs> you were something. You were, you were asking about the vampiresque like imagery, so it was yeah. sort of like that's where we went off on the tangent of the vampires. But yeah, uh, I, sort of want, I wanted I wanted to instead of being the traditional, and that's why I came up with the whole concept of of gothic magic was that. Well, actually, nobody even knows you're a magician, so we have to say you are a oh, magician. Sure. There okay. we go. <laughs> there you go. Carry uh, on. I created I created this style which I call gothic magic back in '92 uh, because there was a style that was emerging in in magic circles that was called bizarre magic, which was taking storytelling and theatrical magic, but most of the images from bizarre magic were sort of these ancient. Uh, wizard sorcerer characters that were delving into the Necronomicon and I got into magic through doing haunted houses and that sort of sorcerer thing didn't fit in with my own personal imagery. <laughs> so I, I liked the the mystique of the the gothic novel with, you know, the Jack the Ripper, gaslight, fog shrouded streets and mm-hmm. uh, Jekyll and Hyde and all of these wonderful like eerie, melancholy stories that delved into, you know, sorrow and loss and exploration of all of these different emotions. So I I wanted to wrap that up into what I created as gothic magic. So it was instead of just being, uh, you know, traditional magic where it's pick a card, put the card back, and, oh, look, here's your card again. (laughs) Wow. I wanted to tell you. Yeah, <laughs> I could. I, I'm, on May 22nd, I'll be doing that. <laughs> I wanted something that showed sort of the, you know, the same emotional roller coaster that the Gothic novels did. You know, where you're, you have the great love of your life, and you also have sorrow, and and all of these trepidation, and all of these other things happening. So it was a roller coaster rather than, hi, I'm going to show you something that proves that I'm cooler than you are and I'm not going to explain it to you because that was always just sort of like it was, it was a puzzle to everyone. They just sort of, they, you know, they, they were done in these fashions where people didn't really a lot of times have any other thing to deal with rather than, okay, let me sit here and try and figure that out. Wow. He spent a lot of time and obviously has no life. Uh, (laughs) I mean, people that got away from that were Doug Henning and David Copperfield because they right. sort of went to this, you know, Blackstone was this grand gentleman of magic, and mm-hmm. Doug Henning was the 
the childlike wonder of magic. And Copperfield for a little while was the uh, the sort of frat boy that was always chasing the girl, you know. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, later on, was it was the say, guy that had a private jet. But it was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the Donny Osmond of magic, but, you know, that works. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so, wait a minute. Is, is there some character out now It's like, really, I forget his name, it's, it, but he's he's got a whole following and he's raving sparrows, something or other, I don't know. Uh, Chris, Chris, Chris Angel you're talking about? Yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was I so mean, close. Yeah, it was interesting. It was it was that was the turn of of sort of because for a long period of time in Vegas, you know, was sort of everyone was into the glitterati, you know, Vegasy type thing. I mean, there were some some great magicians, Sigrid Roy and mm-hmm. Lance Burton, but they sort of. So when good. you saw their individual acts, it was different than when you saw their Las Vegas show. Oh, you know, right. Las Vegas, the Las Vegas show became bigger, you know, was sort of this glitzy Broadway production rather than letting them be in touch with the magic. I mean, Lance still did some fantastic things, mm-hmm. but they became little vignettes of magic rather than, uh, you know, a, a, a play. It was sort of like where they were all little scenes, and that's what Vegas sort of demands. It's because. Oh, right. It's Vegas, baby. It, yeah, it has to be larger than life, and it's just sort of, but you couldn't, they were all these little sort of, you know, it was almost like watching the Red Skeleton show or something, where everything was a little segment, mm-hmm. and they didn't necessarily have to tie into anything before or after, because they were all just little pieces, and I, I just, I don't know, I, to me, that's a little discordant, I, I don't like that, I like them to be, everything that you'll see when I perform Nothing will ever look like it doesn't belong to me or would not be some object that I would have come in contact with. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I've always created these things where they, nothing has a red flag, where somebody goes, so why is the vampire doing a card trick? You know, it's sort of like <laughs> yeah, the cards yeah. have meanings. The card has a meaning. Or I, I don't do anything with coins. Just because, you know, people are like, oh, but there's these wonderful things you can do with coins. And, I'm, you know, my mentality well, is... Why would the empires can't, empire can't touch coins. We we know that. Well, you know, in my in my justification is I'm an aristocrat. Why would I bother with coins? We have people that go. deal with our money. <laughs> <laughs> That's what a valet is for. We deal with larger objects rather than coins. <laughs> well, that, I mean, in the, people that live in the castle and people that build the castle. So there you go. I mean, but the the interesting thing about I mean. Your act is is definitely different. There aren't that many that I know of, anyways. Any of that that gothic magic that does gothic magic, and and it's it's really unique uh, in that it's almost you know it's like coming ca- across a uh, car accident. You want to turn away, but you can't. <laughs> Well, and I, and I want people to be enthralled, and I want them to come on the ride with me, and that's why the, that's why I use storytelling and all these other theatrical techniques and things to to you know bring the people in to where they're not sitting there going, so so did he shuffle the cards? Did you know what was what <laughs> happening? You know, in, in the back of their mind, some of these things, you know, the people are trying to retrace the steps, and I don't want them. You know, nobody sits in Les Mis and goes. I, I really, I'm just not buying. I'm not in the French Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
you know, at the end, they're in tears, and they're just like, they've gone through the experience, and they love the characters, and, and that's what I wanted to bring was this, you know, suspension of disbelief where, uh, you know, it's the same way when people ask me, you know, you'll understand this metaphor. It's people ask me, well, do you believe in ghosts? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and I, it's, I said, it's not my job to. I said, but if you've been someplace that is haunted, uh, you can't really dispute it. I'm like, I've been on the battlefield of Gettysburg late into the evening. And when you walk among the grounds there, you, you can't help. And you can't help but feel it. And, and you know, it's sort of a, a moment there that as you're wandering through the monuments and things, you'll just feel it. And, and I don't need to prove or disprove to anyone. I'm like, but just go there and you'll, and you'll know what I speak of. Right. <laughs> I totally agree. So and, when and actually... You- Oh, go ahead. Well, I was, I was ask, just going to say, if, if anybody wants to call in, the number is 877-864-4869. That's 877-864-4869. Or you can join us live in the TojiNet chat room. Or they can join us on our Facebook page, which is what, Ann? At Ghost Chronicles-Next Generation. And jump on there and like us, even if you don't like us, as Ron pretend would say. Pretend you do. Yeah. And uh, pretend you like us. And, and, do magic. Uh, do magic for us. It's, it's magic on that page. Well, just leave us a comment. That works, too. Uh, but anyways, that is our Facebook page. And we're almost at 300 likes. That's just simply amazing. It is. <laughs> Only 300? That's pretty boring, actually. Only 300? Yeah. You should, you should have 300 in the next hour. That's what you should <laughs> That's right. what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. I don't understand right. that whatsoever. So, anyways, did you have a question, Anne, before I cut you off? I wanted to ask Vlad, mm-hmm. um, when did you start becoming interested in magic, What and what sparked your interest? I got into magic through a weird route because I was in, you know, most people sort of learn magic when they're in their either childhood or teens. I was I was in my later later 20s, and uh, I was doing special effects for a haunted attraction in upstate New York. Nice. And uh, sort of using illusion techniques and, you know, all these faux finishes to create, you know, a, an altered reality. Mm-hmm. And the person that owned the haunted house actually had been a magician. And, he's, mm-hmm. you know, he, he mentioned to me, he says, well, you know, you might want to, because of your, your interest in horror films and everything else, he says, I think you would probably make a good magician. Oh, wow. You know, and my thought was, well, I don't, I, how do you just become a magician? You know, I'm like, I, I, don't they have to tap you on the shoulder and bring you out to the sacred grove by candlelight and swear? <laughs> and, and he goes, no, you either read a book, find a mentor, or go to a meeting. And I'm like, oh, you just blew the whole illusion here. <laughs> oh, mistake. Oh, wow. I'm like, don't you have to be like seventh son of the seventh son in the magical people? <laughs> But uh, he put me in touch with a gentleman named Jeff McBride, who is a, a fairly, you know, well-acknowledged, world-renowned magician. And uh, he took a liking to me and told me about he was creating this thing in upstate New York called Mystery School. Oh. And uh, Mystery School was sort of using the techniques of the ancient mystery schools back in Greece and things like that. But it would be where you would bring these stage magicians off on a retreat for several days, off in a secluded part of, you know, the area where they couldn't use their cell phones and things like that. And you would explore what the traditions of magic were and why you were doing, like how, examples would be, 
how do you perceive yourself and your interaction with your assistant? How does the audience perceive you? Uh-huh. And what does that mean to the performance? And, you know, like, does your self-image match what you're relaying out? So we were, we sort of delved into all these different questions, and that's sort of like, you know, I got at this deeper understanding of magic just because it was through this whole self-awareness process. And that's where I created Gothic magic, just because, you know, at first I saw myself as this sort of Rod Serling character that was, you know, the, the phantom stranger that would show you weird things. But then it went off on an entirely different route where I just sort of wanted to be the strange person rather than showing strange things. <laughs> So that, I mean, well, I, I have to admit, it. you you have you have fulfilled your dreams. Yeah, I try. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever think it was going to be, you know, as big as it is? I, mm, I don't know. I, I didn't know where it was. You know, it was just because my my sort of besides, you know, having no magic archetype or person to emulate at first, except for, you know, here other other magicians grow into magic so they learn the famous people. Mm-hmm. I, I sort of was dropped into a, a cauldron of the famous mm-hmm. people being my friends first, mm-hmm. and then finding out that they were famous magicians. <laughs> so, so they guided me, but my, my one main sort of archetype or person that I wanted to emulate was Vincent Price. Oh, Ooh, cool. Right. Very cool. Just because yeah. he was this grand gentleman that was always a little bit odd and unusual and, you know, right. sort of just did his own thing and things he thought was were normal, you know, the rest of the world thought they were bizarre and unusual, but they were just commonplace to him. <laughs> right. So. And he was always a gentleman. That's, mm, and that's, that's a yeah. really that's key. A, yeah, yeah, because people want that. People want yeah. the, the, you know, the, and that's why I was always attracted to the, you know, we can we can argue about the whole society ignoring what was happening during the Jack the Ripper period and sort of like the nobodies that were in Whitechapel, uh, but we all sort of like enjoy that image we have of the, you know, dressing up to go to dinner and, you know, the whole Victorian elegance that's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, were we were we dropped in Victorian England? I'm sure it would probably be a whole different bowl of, you know. Like. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> probably be a we, little more... Um, uh, thirsty? <laughs> odiferous than yeah. we anticipate. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we'd probably have problems like walking amongst the droppings from the carriages right. and things like that. But, you know, but, you know it's, it's interesting that you mentioned odiferous because I was talking to Vlad uh, earlier... Uh, uh, I think last week, and he, he one of the things he mentioned was about using odors in his act. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. that, that was yeah, that was one of the things because it's one of the senses that's sort of often you know ignored in a in a performance, and I wanted to make sure that, like I said, anything that you know I use has to appear to be for all intents and purposes authentic. Mm-hmm. So that means it's going to have the 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 feel, the smell, and the look of something that actually would belong in that period. So if you open an old book, it should smell like an old book. You know, most of us that have roamed, yeah, that the old bookstore smell, which all Mm -hmm. of us that have done the antiquing thing exactly know what it smells like. Right, (laughs) yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But I wanted to bring that in, and it's that, you know, when I've done theatrical seances, there's different things that you bring in. I've used the smell of damp earth in, in a in a 
theatrical seance. I've used different floral smells. I mean, you do have to be aware that you can't go crazy with them because you do every once in a while run into someone that has a perfume allergy or just, you know, has some kind of issues with it. But, you know, we let them know because you have to be aware of these things. You don't want to just drag them in there and cause problems. But I, I try and do bring in the sight, sound, smell. You know, I haven't gotten to the taste, but, you know, it's still everything else. So you're working on it. Now in, yeah. So in what, in, okay, so in what setting, you talk about a theatrical seance, in what setting, sit, sit, setting are you doing this? Is it, uh, where are you, where are you, what do you do with theatrical seance? Um, it would be where we either book a venue or someone would, you know, invite the show when they when they book the show. They can, you know, when they book me, mm-hmm. and they would, and that's the way I've been structuring my things because other performers in the past sort of went with this. I don't know. I always thought of it as the used car salesman mentality, <laughs> where they have the gold, silver, and platinum packages of their shows. What I've been structuring my show now is that when they book something. Fairly soon, it'll be up on my website where they will be able to select the storyline. Oh. And then that way, it's like, I want to see the story of Lillian, or I want to see Murder Most Foul. I want to see, and they'll all have little titles with a little blurb that tells you about the performance, and that's the way you book it, is rather than, you know, I want this kind of, you know, this way, there's no, I will be bringing a dove and two assistants, and it will be a half hour. <laughs> it's sort of like, what you'll be seeing is a recreation of Victorian murders from fog-shrouded streets, and you know, sort of like, so you already have a an idea of what you're getting, so you can already start to tell your friends about it and things like that. And when I book it too, this way people know, you know, if I'm if I'm performing at a venue someplace, if they say, "Oh, Vlad's doing Murder Most Foul," we didn't see that one. We saw the one about the little girl ghost, Lillian. You know, mm-hmm. so it's they'll know exactly what it is. And you know, because we did the shows many times in Salem, that was the the idea everybody had was because not a lot of things in Salem change. Right. So their thing is, oh, we saw you last year. And that was always my thing when I performed with Daniel was, if you were doing a show in Salem where tourists are coming through, we designed a new show every single year. Mm-hmm. Right. So if it was somebody that was on vacation and they only came through in October, we'd go, you saw it last year, but it's an entirely different show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we were one of the only ones that would offer, you know, people thought we were crazy, but we just had enough pride in our entertainment value that we would tell people, if you saw the show and you hated it, you know, at that point in time in Salem, we're like, come back, it'll be different. Anyways, we have to take a break right now, so uh, I'm going to ask to get a hold on, uh, if you don't mind coming back for a little bit. No, no problem. No problem. Okay, you are listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with the blonde Mom Shelley and Kerrigan herself in old Ben Helsink here on TojiNet Radio. And we'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to TojiNet. Radio with a cutting edge. Have you been laid off, fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search. 
physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one's spiritual perspective. All must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed. This show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work. For more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, SuccessfullyUnemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 Central here on Toginet.com. And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Ann and our guest, Vlad the Magician. Gothic Magician. Classic magician. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, Get it. Do you want to call one? The number is 877-864-4869. That's 877-864-4869. Or you can join us live in the Tojinet chat room where I see Ghost Girl is asked a question of Vlad, which is, have you ever been heckled? And I guess that's because, you know, being weird like you are, you might get heckled. No. Because when people come to my show, if they're paying an admission or they're booking me, A, yep. A they don't want to waste their money. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had people try and, like, you know, in the past. Very, Explain very the tricks. Too. I think that's what he's talking about. Try to say that, to expose your tricks. No, because uh, everything I've done, I've created. So uh-huh. it's, it's not something that they can immediately look at my stuff and go, hey, I saw that on YouTube because I don't let my things be filmed and I don't let them, I, I don't, I, much to several of my other magician friends who would like to purchase some of my things, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't release them. So it's sort of, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, when I die, somebody else will get them. But as far as, are you, as looking, far are you as, looking for heirs? I mean, I'm available. <laughs> you'll, you'll do you'll do my show for me when I <laughs> I'll do it at your wake. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, as far as being heckled, I mean, I have like once in a while because we're in Salem and uh, oh, you know yeah. drinking drinking starts. Alcohol was involved. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have had people, and and immediately, I just my presence. And one of my friends said, you know, during your show, they're like people enjoy it, but you, they're like you exude this. Attitude like they're in the principal's office. Oh, good. Mm. So it's this sort of very authoritative, like sort of, you know, they don't. I had one person sort of try and answer back one time. I just walked up to him and I sort of looked at him and I said, I don't remember writing a speaking part for you. Oh, Ah, nice. And they just sort of went, oops. (laughs) I wonder if I can use that for an end. (laughs) Oh, yeah, thanks. We now, uh, Stephen Scott in the chat room. Uh, he wanted to know. He's like, you know, is is obviously you handle that well. He, he said, you know, he's wondering if that's scary, or have you ever had to have anybody basically thrown out? <laughs> no, usually because the, the the people that are that drunk that you would have a problem. I mean, we did have some people we were trying to sell tickets to that would not buy. They didn't quite understand the way Salem works, mm-hmm. and I guess yeah. they thought, I guess they thought that that was like. You know, Salem is is Las Vegas, and they weren't going to buy tickets unless we served alcohol at the show. Oh, <laughs> well. And I'm like, no, this is not a this is not a dinner theater show. This is right. Salem. You know, okay. behind all of the Halloween things, there is still a very Puritan streak running through Salem. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I guess there is. 
And I, um, I think the Peabody Essex Museum keeps a strong hold on all of the Puritan. <laughs> oh, yes. There you go. There you go. Keep Do you know I won an award from the uh, Peabody Essex Museum? You did? I did. What whatever it is. Pre- Peabody Essex Trust, whatever the hell it is. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even know what. Yeah. I don't even know. Are you kidding me? Yeah, for uh, my work as uh, president of the Merrimack Valley Preservation Group. Ha <laughs> oh. ha. So there you go. Pat on my they have a lot of things. I mean, they have a lot of things to offer. It's like I sort of wish that they would. They're, they're, the museum is beautiful. It, it just sort of has this. It, it almost feels like it would fit better in Mystic, Connecticut, than it does. Yeah, you know, somewhere else, anywhere but Salem. Because <laughs> all of the things that you would want to know about the history of Salem, like they actually have the witchcraft trial papers in their basement. Mm-hmm. I mean, display them. Mm-hmm. Let, let the people actually see what these nah. were. Put a put a put a face on the period. Right. No, no, no. You have, to put, you have to have, You have to talk about. You have to talk about the uh, maritime. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the maritime. Oh, you have to talk about the the mills along the Merrimack River and something or other. That's much more interesting than the witch trials. <laughs> uh, to so. me, to me, if you want to talk about the mills along the Merrimack, then put the museum in Haverhill. <laughs> Wait a minute, we have Lowell, too. Wait a minute. Yeah. You, you. No one's going to yeah. go to Haverhill, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, used to, I used to actually live in Haverhill, and it was sort of like, I just, you know, none of these areas I had any living. I teach college in Haverhill. It was sort of, I never knew anything about any of these places. It was sort of, I, you know, I, I grew up in Westchester County in New York, and then I moved mm-hmm. to upstate New York, and then my first, my first move-in apartment was in Haverhill on Washington Street, and I'm like, okay. People mm-hmm. are like, oh, that's part of where the fire was and everything. I'm like, uh, uh, outside of, I'm like, outside of Massachusetts, you don't hear any of these things. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I I know people think that Massachusetts, the word gets out, but no, it's you know, <laughs> they, they don't know anything. And somebody like, you know, mentioned to me, you know, I had I went to actually was going to go look at an apartment in Lynn, and they were they were, oh, you don't want to live in. And I'm like, why? And they're like, oh, it's Lynn, Lynn the city of sin. <laughs> and, and that phrase I had never heard till I moved to Massachusetts. Well, yeah, that's that's definitely a Massachusetts thing. We we have a question. Sure, we actually have a bunch of questions piling up in there. We do. Um, we have one from Leslie in the chat room. Um, she says, "Is uh, Vlad is doing a dining with the dead?" Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, I am. she's wondering, are are you going to give a talk or put on a show? It's going to be a combination of both. I will talk a little bit about the, you know, my presentation of magic, and I'll answer some questions about my experiences within the real-world vampire community that exists. Mm-hmm. So if people want to know things about, you know, the sort of underground culture of the vampire community, I can talk about my experiences. You know, I'm not going to be a – I don't want to do a talk like some other people and be, you know, the, the alpha and the omega of vampire questions, but, you know, mm-hmm. I will – I'll answer them from my experiences of what I've seen and and things like that in the vampire community, and I'll do some some magic for them. So it'll be performed. So, you know, I mean, actually, what what you said earlier, it's it's going to be, it's not really a show. It's basically what happens. It's mm-hmm. an experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll take them on the ride. <laughs> yeah, and, th- and this is uh, on May twenty uh, second. May 22nd, it's at the Wyndham Restaurant in uh, Wyndham, New Hampshire. It's a, a Tuesday night, and uh, Dining with the Dead. 
the tickets are on sale on our website, which is neghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. And you can see Vlad's lovely picture there as well. So, yeah, it's going to be a neat experience. I'm looking forward to having blood pie, so I know that'll be really good. <laughs> <laughs> You mean you don't want to have steak and kidney pie? Steak no. <laughs> and kidney. <laughs> now, we also have another... We're not doing sweetie tart, are we? <laughs> no, no. It's just reminiscent of the whole Jekyll and Hyde, Jack the Ripper uh-huh, period uh-huh, for me. I don't know why. Now, Stephen, Stephen Scott in our chat room, now he's from Scotland, and uh, mm-hmm. he'd like to know, uh, do you only work in the U.S., or have you have you been over to the U.K.? I have not yet. I, I am not opposed to, you know, oh. crossing the pond and going there. I just have not been able to coordinate. You know, every, everyone else said, oh, well, when you're over here, we'd love to. And I'm like, but well, you know what? I actually am working with someone to, who's putting together a, uh, a tour. I'm going to be touring over there, and you would be a great addition to it, to be oh. honest with you. I'd love to talk about that because everybody else do, goes. Do oh, you want to open up for Van Helsing? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Be my cover band. <laughs> we, we can actually we we can actually have a big publicity thing where we sign a peace treaty amongst the vampires and the vampire hunters. <laughs> <laughs> that would yeah, be great. we'll probably get crashed by the werewolves and the whole thing will go to hell. <laughs> and everyone will throw glitter on us and we'll all sparkle. <laughs> there you go. Anyway. I'll yeah, so I, I am look, looking forward to that. that that's on uh, May 22nd, and mm-hmm. I, uh, I actually saw, uh, I did an interview with you oh, a couple of years ago, I think, anyways, uh, when you were in Salem, you and um, and your friend, um, Daniel, you know, Daniel Greenwolf. Daniel Greenwolf, who also has a uh, different type of uh, magic as well. Yeah, he created a persona called a bardic magician, which he's he's since changed to being, because I guess everyone, when they heard bardic, they kept saying, oh, do you recite Shakespeare? And he was, (laughs) his his concept of the bardic magician was the bard of, you know, of the Renaissance period, where you would tell stories and recite poetry and do all of these things as you traveled from town to town. Mm -hmm. So it's this very much, you know, Renaissance-centered, so now he started calling himself a Celtic magician. So oh, there okay. you go. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of his things delve into his, you know, Irish roots, and that's, right. that's something that meant something to him. My my thing, I, I pulled a lot from my, from being five years old on fascination with horror. You know, I, I remember sitting there watching Frankenstein, you know, with my grandmother at like five years old. My parents mm-hmm. were a little, a little freaked out because they're like, "Why are you letting him watch this?" And she was like, "It's good for him. It's okay." <laughs> she was, she was like, "Because he likes it." <laughs> now, I, I have a question, and I'm, I'm actually this came from a friend of mine when I told him you were going to be on the show tonight. You have friends? That's amazing. It's an amazing thing. I do have a few. Um, you get you get hazard pay from him, like, like I, I should. I really should. I'll tell you. But um, he's making. He's helping make. You know, give me a thicker skin. So. Um, oh, okay. Um, now, what do you think about? Um, I guess there was a, there was a show recently uh, on History Channel, and it was um, the magicians' secrets. Someone revealed all the magicians' secrets. Yeah, oh, I was on well, there, there were several of them in the past that were the whole like unmasking the magic, like the masked magician and things like that. Yeah, my, yeah. Problem with, my problem with them is, you know, like I mentioned, my my material 
I write it, I create it, I, you know, so there's no way without them coming to my show and videotaping it, it's very hard to recreate it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My problem with that is when they expose a lot of the things, the people it hurts the most are guys that go and do birthday parties or school shows, because it's not going to hurt, you know, Copperfield, if he doesn't get to do that illusion, he swaps it out for one of the other 12,000 things he owns. Uh, (laughs) You know, but the guy that does birthday parties that's trying to do something to, you know, charge somebody for a backyard performance, you know, Mm -hmm. $200, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's, if he, one of his pieces of his show is shown and exposed Magic is not cheap. If he's doing like a levitation or something, mm. that probably cost him $2,000 to buy. Right. So that's 10 shows that he doesn't get to use that for to be able to buy the illusion. So now you're, <laughs> you're sort of ruining his income stream by him not being able to use a $2,000 prop. Right. Yeah. That's a bloody box. Yeah, it it blows the whole thing, you know. It it exposes yeah. it for the kids, and it sort of, I mean, you know, why don't we have all kinds of, why don't we just do it all in one fell swoop? You know, there is no Easter Bunny, there is no Santa right. Claus. Oh, oh, you know? oh, no, la, 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 I can't yeah. hear you. No. <laughs> but yeah, but true. you're, you're absolutely right with that. Yeah. Isn't there, like, supposed to be some kind of code of honor? There is, no. and the, the person the person that was the, the original, I mean, there have been several, but the person mm-hmm. that was the original mass magician was removed from being able to be part of any magic fraternity. And it says right on the Society of American Magicians uh, membership card when you join them, mm-hmm. you know, I will not expose any magic secrets. I will only discuss them amongst fellow brethren. And, you know, you can do it in a teaching aspect. If someone would like to learn magic and they sit down mm-hmm. with you for a class, right. then you could teach it. But you just can't make money by watching other people's stuff and doing a TV show or writing a book about it. That's, right. That's you know, sort of, it's in bad taste, too, because <laughs> it's sort of like, why are you, you know, why are you doing because, it? Yeah, it kind yeah. of shooting yourself in the foot if you're a magician, a legit magician. And, and other things, I mean, it's a sort of like, you know, they wouldn't, let, they wouldn't let you write, you know, a song, and then the person that didn't write it figures out what those notes are and then sells the sheet music to that song. They would be like, the person that wrote it has the rights to that song. You can't sell his sheet music. Right. That's legally covered, but magic, for some reason, there's no, it's all a gray area because, you know... It's is it intellectual property? Is it creative property? Is it performance rights? It's you know magicians sort of try to be eighty five people at once, so they 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 got their feet in a lot of different pools. So it's hard to pin down what area of legality it would be, mm-hmm. other than it, it's bad form and it's sort of you know <laughs> right. That's Not just lousy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just lousy. It's lousy. Yeah. You know, and as an as an entertainer, I'm a face painter, and I work really hard, you know, and there's more to it than, oh, yeah, you show up, you face paint, the kids are happy, blah, 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 you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's supplies, and it's it's traveling, and it's GPS to get you where you're going, and you get lost, and then, you know, you have people that that aren't always pleasant to you, and, you know, it's like... Mm-hmm. It's, it's more than just a gig, you know. It's more than just a gig. And it's it's how long did it take you to be able to learn that right. style to recreate like a face? I mean, I like I said, I was a special effects artist for a haunted house, and it was exactly. 
I got yelled at a number of times because usually when you work at a haunted house, you get teenagers that show up to do the haunted house. Oh, yeah. And you tell them to show up at, at 10 o'clock, and you're lucky if they wander in at 1130. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you're trying to put makeup on them and things like that. And my thing was I just I have issues, and I have perfection issues. Right. So I want to spend as much time making it real as possible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it takes time, and you want to do the best thing, and, you know, you sort of end up going, okay, you know what, you're a generic ghoul. Yeah. And you just do it. Flip, flop, flop, get out there. <laughs> go, go out, go work the line, because, you know what, you don't get to be an individual character. You're working the line. <laughs> yeah, right. But, you know, well, it, all of that stuff, you know, sort of, you know, grates on your nerves, because the people that do it sort of are are not the people that expose it, so. Right. Glad I, I know uh, I know we got some stuff to take care of. Do you want to hang with us? Do you want to take off? I'm giving you an option here, my friend. <laughs> it's, it's it's I will leave it to your your. I, I am your guest if you wish. If you would rather stream along and sort of like you know not have to worry about me lurking in the background, then <laughs> no, I, I enjoy your company. If you would like to hang with us, and once again, you know, uh, you'll be at the uh, dining with the dead on May 22nd. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, that's you know that's interesting, but anyways we have a uh, another Beyond Bizarre from my uh, favorite girl Vala Ventura, so if we can play that now, Anna. Hidden limbs. In 2007, in Maiden, North Carolina, a man bought a smoker at a police auction of abandoned items from a storage facility. When he opened up the smoker, he discovered what he thought was wood wrapped up in paper. The bundle instead turned out to be a human leg that had been amputated at just above the knee. Police contacted the owners of the storage facility. It turned out that the owner's son had had his leg amputated after a plane crash and kept the leg for religious reasons. She and her son drove some 35 miles to retrieve it for the man who had brought the smoker. However, the man who bought the smoker would not return the limb, and the matter ended up going to Court TV, where the original owner was ruled to have to pay $5,000 for the return of his leg. A freaky fact from the Book of the Bazaar, available wherever books are sold. I know would be charging admission to see it. They'd be uh, sort of setting up their own little sideshow type things. <laughs> Especially in Salem, you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. gross. That's so gross. Who would want to keep it? Oh. What are you talking about? That's awful. I got my and eyeballs sitting here, on, to... uh, sitting here on my shelf. Oh, my God. Why would you want to keep your leg after they cut it off? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'd get a kick out of it. Jeez. I'd, I'd, give it a decent could, burial. Could, a kick. Ah. Okay. Oh. Here's put that put that up on your put that up on your Facebook page as a survey. If you found a limb, would you return it or would you want to keep it? <laughs> I, I would uh, probably. Uh, anyway, uh, you know. Anyways, you, you know, vampires uh, vampires are, are interesting because they take the life force out of you, the blood out of, the, out of you. Isn't that correct, Vlad? There, my friend. 
there, there are lots of different. I mean, there are ethereal, you know, there are spirits that are considered vampiric. Mm-hmm. There, mm-hmm. there are also people that are, which, you know, I mean, some, some performers will yell at me for my next comment, but I think most entertainers are what I would call energy or psychic vampires. Where because even if you read Uta Hagen, you know she makes the comment about there's no greater exhilaration than the accolades of the crowd. So therefore, you're feeding off the energy of the crowd, and it's this drawing of energy that's mm-hmm. being pumped up from the crowd. So if you're getting a boost and/or feeding on that energy, then for all intents and purposes, you're a psychic vampire. You know, you just might have better table manners than the people that do it without permission. You know, you're you're waiting until the audience gives it to you. And then, yes, there are the other traditional vampires that are what we call sanguine or blood vampires. Hmm. Blood vampires. Hmm. Anyways, do you believe in suck, suck, succubuses? Can you even say that twice? Succubus. Succubi, the ones that are the female uh, uh, sexual vampires that sort of like, I mean, that's sort of where they came up with the whole Lilith thing from uh-huh, the uh-huh. Old Testament. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen any. I, I know. Well, some, actually, I, I, I have proof of it. Do you? Uh-oh. Uh, yes. According to uh, the uh, Mail Online, uh, there's, let's see, the headline reads, She's just not a girl who can say nine. The Munich nymphomaniac claims a second victim after a 36-hour sex ordeal. <laughs> I read that. I read that. I actually read the the original article yesterday where she kept the guy tied up and and he, he escaped. I think it was it, it was reminiscent of like a Jeffrey Dahmer type thing where uh-huh. the guy was like running down the street naked or something. And well, and the, the, actually, she had two victims. The first victim. I mean, okay. The German. Let me read this. Actually, German nymphomaniac who was arrested after forcing a man to make love to her eight times. What? Only eight times? That must be a bad day. Uh, her latest victim, an African, was found weeping in the streets outside her apartment by the police after the 36-hour ordeal. He was brought back. He fought back his tears and told them what happened. I met her on the bus. She invited me back here. Oh, God, it was hell. I can't walk. Please help me. I'm sorry. I know a lot of guys that would not consider that hell. But anyway. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) That's bad. I, I, I don't uh, know. He must. He must have been. I. I. I don't. I don't quite. You know. I'm, maybe I'm just ancient. But I, you know, 36 hours is a long period of time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so maybe we, you know, I mean, on that same line, maybe you can explain this because I've been asking this question since I've been doing the show, and I have never had a successful answer to it. Is mm-hmm. why are two people in two different bathtubs holding hands? <laughs> got anything to do with erectile dysfunction <laughs> and why is that romantic Be- because there's probably somewhere the FCC said that you know I-, I think it was a long period of time before they could actually even show married couples sleeping in the same bed all right I Ron and Laura Petri okay right. yeah it was the whole well, same thing with I Love Lucy you know they had to have the double beds and everything yeah, exactly. no one could, no and one then the Brady touch bunch, <laughs> the Brady Bunch came along and there was that double bed. Yeah. It's like no one can touch anyone. You know, now it's just, okay, everybody's, you know, you're lucky you only have two people in the bed. You know, <laughs> <either way. laughs> well, I, I, I don't know where this went to, but it's definitely going. I, you started it. Me? 
I, I just asked a simple question, that's all. Karen says you need to get new material. <laughs> <laughs> that's because nobody can answer the question. I mean, you know, if you gave me a successful answer for the question, then I could take care of this. But Maybe you I should write really to the can't. makers of Cialis. <laughs> <laughs> you all right. An ocean. There you go. Anyway, I don't know. we could we could draw metaphors for the whole thing about the blood flow and the water uh, and the ocean. And, you know. I, 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 I don't Van know. Van Helsing, honestly, <laughs> really. What's that? Really, Van Helsing. Come on. So okay. Right. So anyways, here's another article I just picked up, and and this happened in a, in a March interview on Bolivian television. Judge Gualberto Carusi, who was recently elected to Bolivia's constitutional tribunal from the indigenous Amarimar, why do I get these names, community, acknowledged that occasionally when deciding tough cases, he relies on an old Ranalian tradition of reading cocoa leaves. Hmm. This is according to the BBC. Oh, okay. So, I mean, is that okay is to make a decision using cocoa Cocoa leaves? That's kind of like tea leaves, right? Uh, my my question would be: Do they chew the leaves before they do the reading? That's or? what I'm thinking. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can we see photos or whatever? Yeah, let's not. Let's not. I don't know. There's some strange stuff out there. You know, you think you've got everything nice and neatly categorized, and then you get strange stuff like that. But anyways, but it's my job to point this stuff out to everyone because thank you. I can. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Vlad. Can we get a website for you while we still have you here? Oh, yes, yeah. you can. It's right. com. Excellent. So people can find you or listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. They want to hire you for stag parties or, uh, <laughs> I mean, birthday parties or uh, <laughs> bar mitzvahs or. <laughs> I'd prefer they were bachelorette parties rather than stag parties. I was just thinking that, yeah. Yeah. Except I might disappoint some of them because I don't sparkle, so I don't know. Oh, wow. Yeah, but that can be arranged. <laughs> hey, I get some puffy glitter. I'll take care of you. Yeah, no, it's, I, I, I sort of, you know, that's it. The only way I want to sparkle is if I accidentally rub up against David Bowie, you know, but then. <laughs> oh, the pizza's the here. Dead. Yeah, pizza's here, so that means we've got to wrap it up. So once again, uh, Vlad, we want to thank you so much for coming with us uh, on this journey that we are doing, whatever it is. And uh, once again, you are at the Wyndham Restaurant on May 22nd for Dining with the Dead. Right. And and you'll be co-hosting with me or hosting, you know. Yeah, I'll be there. Probably, yes. I'll be so. drunk as a skunk as usual, so be <laughs> He might perfect. dance for you. Yeah. <laughs> so I should do lots of things where you have to memorize things to help me with the effect. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Actually, actually, last time it was the end of the presentation on uh, uh, tombstones and taffophiling and all that stuff, <laughs> and I taught the audience how to dance gothic. So yes, right did. Up the, uh, yeah. Maybe I, you know, maybe I could fit that in uh, this this time as well. There you go. We'll there see. You go. Play right in. <laughs> so glad we. We want to thank you so much. Uh, and you going to be anywhere else? We we don't want to hog all all of you. Um, right. I mean, I have a couple of things that are. There's no confirmed dates, but I know June and July I will be down towards North Carolina slash South Carolina. Uh, a couple of people talked to me about doing some stuff at a place on Ocean Boulevard in Myrtle Beach. So mm, nice. We'll, we'll, 
We'll see. I will let you know when the dates are confirmed, but they sort of it's still in the talking phase right this second. So, and, and of course, if you're not going to go down there in July, you are welcome to attend Spirit Quest on July 27th through the 29th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, because we will book you big time there. <laughs> oh, and also let me know about this thing about your your escapade across the pond. That sounds you know, that sounds good too. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, that, if that's if you can get me into a plane, it would be really good, yeah. That's <laughs> why <laughs> the alcohol may help, I know, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> we'll all squeeze in one packing crate. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just talking about a regular seat, never mind tracking. <laughs> I don't fly well. Uh, well. We'll turn you into a bass first. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Anyway. I think we hear some heartbeats there, Ron. Does that mean something? I think we need to go. It means pleasure something. speaking with both that of you, and I will hopefully see you both soon. All right, Vlad, thank you so much. Well's heartbeat, that's a heartbeat, it's just me thinking of Vala. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, time to wrap it up. Uh, next week we're going to be uh, out in Missouri, so that should be interesting, and uh, we'll see what happens then, but... Well, thank you so much, and thank you for whatever you did, and uh, tune in next week, and we'll be here again. Good night, and God bless all. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Take care. From ghoulies to ghosties. Attention, parents and teachers. Here is a series of alarming yet true facts about the current state of teaching reading in the United States. The federal government has spent...